Aortic and mesenteric Doppler. What is an abdominal aortic aneurysm or a AAA? It is a permanent pathological dilatation of the aorta with a diameter greater than 1.5 times the expected diameter of the segment given the patient's gender and body size. In most individuals, this is greater than or equal to 3 centimeters in diameter. More than 90% of abdominal aneurysms originate below the level of the renal arteries. Annual mortality from ruptured AAA in the United States is about 15,000. Only 10 to 25% of the patients survive a AAA rupture. Five centimeters is the measurement where they determine that AAA is of large risk. The chances of a patient dying from a AAA averages 80%. 30 to 50% of patients die before ever reaching the hospital, and operative mortality is 40 to 50%. These facts highlight the desirability of catching a AAA before it ruptures. Risk factors include tobacco use, family history, advanced age. Male is five times more likely than women and males over the age of 60 years of age are at high, are a very high risk group. High cholesterol and obesity are also risk factors. Symptoms of an abdominal aortic aneurysm. Most do not produce symptoms. Palpable pulsatile mass in the abdomen, back pain, and abdominal pain are some of the symptoms. More than 90% of inforenal uh, abdominal aortic aneurysms are of degenerative origin. Some complications of aneurysms are rupture as it correlates between the size and mortality rate, thrombus, embolization. Um, as we said before, males over 60 are high, at the highest risk. Some other complications of aortic aneurysms are atherosclerotic uh, renal and mesenteric artery obstruction, hydronephrosis from aneurysm compression of a ureter, retroperitoneal fibrosis in aneurysm rupture, and renal artery obstruction. If severe, um, it will result in shrinkage of the affected kidney. Some different types of aortic aneurysms. Fusiform, vascular outpouching. It's shaped like a spindle and it's commonly at the distal aorta. Saccular aneurysm. It's spherical and larger than the fusiform. It resembles a small sac and typically at the iliac bifurcation uh, that it can extend into the iliac arteries. And a dissecting aneurysm is caused by trauma that results in an intimal wall tear. The dissection occurs due to a tear in that intima, and blood can flow and enter the subintimal space. This can result in a hematoma within the wall of the aorta, and the dissection can also produce a stenosis. When scanning the, an abdominal aortic aneurysm or looking for it in your scans, technique-wise, you want to scan along the course of the aorta from the renal arteries to the iliac bifurcation in long and transverse. You'll measure AP and longitudinal and transverse measurement in the transverse plane. Measure proximal, mid, and distal in both planes, 
both right and left common iliac arteries can be imaged together in the transverse plane, or you could do it coronally, or you can look at them individually uh, in longitudinal. And then um, in some cases, you'll be required to Doppler both of the um, arteries in longitudinal. From Doppler, as far as the aortic, um, or the aorta itself, a normal abdominal aortic flow patterns demonstrate low resistance above the renal arteries and high resistance distal to the renal arteries. For our purposes, we will collect a velocity at the mid-aorta below the renal arteries, uh, approximately two to three centimeters distal to the xiphoid process. That's where you'll record your peak systolic velocity. Measurements, you're going to measure AP and lateral distance of the outer walls in transverse. You'll measure residual lumen in the transverse. Measure the length of an aneurysm in longitudinal plane. Measure the length of an um, of the aneurysm. Does the aneurysm extend into the iliacs? Is there renal involvement? If there's a AAA, uh, is it within two centimeters of the celiac or the SMA? If that's the case, the renals are probably involved. So at mid aorta, below the level of the renal arteries, that's below the level of renal arteries. And in a transverse plane, midline approach, you'll want to identify the aorta and locate the celiac axis and the SMA and go just below that to identify the renal arteries. In a cross section of the aorta and surrounding the regions of the um, in surrounding regions, the vein that is visualized superficial to the aorta and origins of the right and left renal arteries and deep to the SMA is the left renal vein. The right renal artery arises from the anterior lateral aspect of the aorta and then passes posterior to the IVC as it courses towards the right renal hilum. So when you're in trans and you're looking at the renal arteries, the most proximal part of the renal artery may be a little bit difficult to see because of the IVC. So abdominal aortic aneurysm measurement wise, normal size of the abdominal aorta is 1.5 to 2.5 centimeters. An ectatic aorta is considered 2.5 to 3 centimeters. So ectatic meaning it's distensible or capable of being stretched. Uh, an aortic aneurysm typically is greater than three centimeters. An annual growth rate of aneurysms is usually 0.33 centimeters per year, measuring between four and 5.5 centimeters. An, aort uh, an aortic aneurysm um, Dissection, a tear in the intimal lining can happen where the blood flows and enters into the intraluminal space, as we said before, that can result in a hematoma within the aortic wall, and it can produce a vessel stenosis. There are some limitations of ultrasound scanning. Uh, visibility is limited by bowel gas, patient inability to lie flat, uh, course and size of the vessel can limit the visibility. Aortic aneurysm repair. Surgery, um, surgical repair can involve uh, a stent and a small device designed to maintain the intraluminal structure and patency of the artery. There's three different types of stents, um, a balloon expandable, self-expanding, and a thermal expanding stent. 
And a stent graft um, or covered stent is used to repair specific types of aneurysmal disease, especially in the aorta. The stents are generally made of stainless steel, uh, nitinol, and cobalt chromium alloy. Aortic aneurysm uh, continue with grafts. There's three different types of grafts that can be used. Tube grafts, bifurcated grafts, and aorta, aortoiliac grafts. And some advantages of endovascular graft exclusion in triple, you know, triple A is that that is procedures performed from a remote site and avoids a laparotomy. And small incisions are made, femoral, brachial, or carotid artery uh, for cut down access. There's no prolonged aortic clamping, decreased or stay in the ICU unit. So you're not in ICU, whereas if they have to open you up. Uh, you have a decreased length of stay overall. It's one to two days for endovascular versus six to eight days for open repair. And overall decreased, reco uh, decreased recovery time as well. Endovascular grafts are a combination of intravascular metallic stents and prosthetic graft materials. The stent functions as a fixation component of the endovascular graft, anchoring it into the normal portions of the aorta and iliac arteries. In, in lieu of uh, standard suture and anamostic uh, techniques. The stents, as we said, are typically made of nitinol, stainless steel, or cobalt chromium alloy. Gore, uh, whereas Gore-Tex and Dacron are the fabrics most commonly used for the prosthetic graft material component of an endograft. Some treatment complications that can happen with the endografts is an endoleak, a graft stenosis or thrombosis. You could have a dissection. Uh, problems at the attachment site resulting in migration, twisting of the limbs uh, of the bifurcated graft, lower extremity ischemia secondary to embolization, graft infection, delayed rupture of the aneurysm, bleeding, pseudoaneurysm at the insertion site, and hematoma. Endoleaks. Endoleaks, defined as the presence of flow outside the lumen of the endovascular graft, but within the aneurysm sac. Uh, this puts the patient at risk for rupture by maintaining arterial pressure within the aneurysm sac. And the rate of endoleak following endovascular repair of a AAA is approximately 14%. So when we look at our complications for um, this uh, type of graft, we can have an endoleak, um, graft uh, thrombosis, graft kinking. Uh, those are more common. More rare would be the pseudoaneurysm, graft occlusion, embolism, uh, colon necrosis, or aortic dissection. Continuing on, on endoleak, um, there are a couple different types of endoleak. There's four types and type one includes an A and B, and the endoleak whose origin is at the proximal end is a 1A or 1B stent attachment site, which is not, which is more distal. A type two endoleak originating from the branch vessel, possible sources include a, 
uh, patent lumbar posterior to the endovascular graft where it would be leaking. So you can see that sonographically. Um, and accessory renal or hypogastric arteries or other patent branches of the abdominal aorta. These are best seen in the transverse orientation. A type 3 endo leak uh, originates at the junctions between the components of the modular devices or from the fabric uh, tears within the graft itself. And a type 4 uh, transgraft flow or flow that fills the aneurysm sac because of porosity of the graft itself. You can also have endotension, um, an increase in aneurysm size in the absence of an endo leak. These can all be found in the table uh, 28.1 in your uh, uh, Perito, uh, page 467. So endo leak detection, uh, according to your Perito book on page 472, is considered by many the gold standard of detection of endo leak following endovascular AAA repair. Even so, um, ultrasound is often used because it is becoming more and more readily available. Uh, we have the ability to go portable, where CT does not, and we do not use any radiation. So there are some advantages with ultrasound still. So we have, um, when we take our velocities, our normal velocities, when we sample, um, they should be approximately 100 centimeters per second. If they're higher than that, um, we could have um, a stenosis or some other issue going on. So let's talk about mesenteric Doppler. Why do we do it? It's to diagnose mesenteric ischemia. Uh, it's a very uncommon disease. So to di diagnose the bowel ischemia, obstruction must be present in two of the three following arteries, which we have listed down below, the celiac accessor artery, superior mesenteric artery, and the inferior mesenteric artery. So mesenteric ischemia, it's a condition which oxygen supply is too small to satisfy the needs of the intestines. It can affect the colon, small bowel, or both. Most often it's classified as occlusive or non-occlusive. Occlusive disease um, at the vessel origins, and that's those three vessels. So with the mesenteric ischemia, it can be chronic, it can be acute due to embolization, the patient presents with postprandial pain and cramping, could have diarrhea or a change in bowel habits, weight loss is a big one, uh, fear of food syndrome, and also um, the ordering physician may have heard an abdominal buoy as well. What are the causes of mesenteric ischemia? Uh, it can be uh, cardiovascular diseases, uh, blood clots, hypercholesteremia, and drug abuse. So if you have hypercholesteremia or anything that causes severe atherosclerosis that could um, cause a severe stenosis, then that's going to impact the amount of blood that's flowing through those arteries. So the first takeoff um, of the aorta is the celiac trunk. And it arises from the anterior surface of the aorta just below the diaphragm. And it gives rise to the left gastric artery, it's a small vessel, the splenic artery, 
can also at times can be very torturous in the common hepatic artery, uh, which then branches into the hepatic artery at the portahepatus, dividing into the right and the left, the gastroduodenal artery, and the pancreatic uh, coduodenal artery as well. Our celiac uh, mesenteric artery waveform that we see here um, is high resistant. So now we're going to look at the SMA, which is the next branch of the aorta. It is just caudal to the celiac, and it gives blood to the distal duodenum, small intestine, and colon. The inferior mesenteric artery arises from the aorta, distal to the renal arteries, and supplies blood to the transverse descending and sigmoid colon. It has a flow pattern similar to the SMA. It's high resistance when fasting, and it's low resistance uh, postprandial or after eating, when the body's trying to get blood to the intestines for digestion. So mesenteric arteries continued here with ultrasound technique. The patient who presents with a history of dull, achy, or cramping abdominal pain 15 to 30 minutes after meals may suffer from mesenteric ischemia, uh, aka mesenteric agina. Study must always be performed on a fasting patient. Peak systolic and endostolic velocities are obtained in the longitudinal plane from the following arteries. So the celiac trunk, the hepatic artery, the splenic artery, the SMA, proximate and distal, the IMA, if possible, and the aorta to rule out any aortic abnormalities. After fasting study, uh, in selected cases, such as the presence of a mesenteric bypass graft, the patient is given a high caloric uh, liquid meal and document the time when the patient has completed drinking the liquid. The time between the ingestion and the liquid and the onset of any symptoms is an important information to document. The study is repeated approximately 20 to 30 minutes after the meal or sooner if the patient becomes symptomatic. Peak systolic and endostolic velocities are obtained as they were before the meal. A comparison of the hemodynamic responses in both states pre and postprandial. The exam is usually performed in the fasting state to determine the presence of proximal stenosis. Postprandial testing is performed more often to evaluate the function of the mesenteric bypass graft. Note that the vascular ultrasound plays a limited role in the evaluation of the mesenteric disease. So we have high resistance when fasting and low resistance after eating. So mesenteric arteries, uh, normal in a fasting state of mesenteric artery, you have a high resistance of blood flow. And after eating state of mesenteric artery of low resistance. End diastolic velocity has been found to be um, at least double. And no significantly affected, or not significantly affected postprandially with that type of testing. If there's an abnormal situation and disease is present, you will have postprandial blood flow remains high resistance, suggesting distal mesenteric ischemia. The high resistance pattern occurs due to the distal obstruction. The SMA normally demonstrates higher diastolic flow um, with postprandially.
celiac velocities. So your normal celiac velocities are 50 to 160 centimeters per second peak systole. And they are less than or equal to 55 centimeters per second in end diastole. If they were abnormal, it would be greater, suggesting greater than 70% um, diameter reduction. So if it was over that 160 centimeters. And um, if they're greater than 200 centimeters per second peak systole with, uh, with post-stenotic turbulence. So that would be, the 200 would designate greater than 70% diameter stenosis. In the SMA, normal is between 110 and 170 centimeters per second peak systole. And abnormal would be suggesting uh, over 70% would be if it was greater than 275 uh, centimeters per second in peak systole with post-stenotic turbulence. So some characteristics of some different waveforms and different vessels. Our aorta should be triphasic. The celiac axis should be high resistance. Hepatic artery should be low resistance. The splenic artery should be low resistance. These are all in a normal state. The SMA in a fasting state should be high resistance. The SMA after eating or postprandial should be low resistance and our renal arteries should be low resistance. Median arcuate ligament is a ligament formed at the base of the diaphragm where the left and right diaphragmatic crua join near the 12th thoracic vertebrae. This fibrous arch forms the anterior aspect of the aortic hiatus. Median arcuate lig ligament syndrome, MALS. It's a fairly frequent anatomic finding in young women and athletic women. There's intermittent compression of the vessels by the median arcuate ligament of the, of the signals indicative of a stenosis are improved with deep inspiration and return with expiration. Symptoms can include nausea, abdominal pain, vomiting, and weight loss. SMA compression syndrome. This is uncommon. You have compression of the third or transverse portion of the duodenum between the aorta and the SMA. It results in chronic, intermittent, or acute, complete, or partial duodenal obstruction. The compression of the, th uh, third, of the third portion of the duodenum due to the narrowing of the space between the SMA and the aorta is primarily attributed to the loss of intervening mesenteric fat pad. The prevalence is approximately 0.013 to 0.3%. It's greater in female than male, mostly 10 to 39 years old. And some other names for it are aortic mesenteric duodenal compression, duodenal vascular compression, Wilkie syndrome, or Cast syndrome. Nutcracker syndrome is a vascular compression disorder and refers to the compression of the left renal vein between the superior mesenteric artery and the aorta. This can lead to renal venous hypertension resulting in rupture and, uh, of the thin-walled veins into the collecting system uh, with the resulting in hematuria. Renal mesenteric arteries 
duplex evaluation of the mesenteric arteries suggests chronic mesenteric ischemia when there are abnormal findings for at least two of the three mesenteric vessels in the symptomatic patients. Some things to know anatomy-wise we want to take note of is the celiac artery. It feeds the stomach, liver, pancreas, duodenum, and spleen. Branches are the left gastric artery, the splenic artery, and the common hepatic artery. The superior mesenteric artery feeds the small intestine, cecum, ascending right colon, and part of the transverse colon, SMA, one centimeter distal to the celiac artery. Occasionally, the celiac and the SMA will share a common trunk. Renal arteries, they supply the kidneys, the suprarenal glands, and ureters. Multiples are not uncommon. They're a landmark for locating the left renal. Uh, landmark for locating the left renal artery is the left renal vein, which crosses the aorta anteriorly and is superior to the left uh, renal artery. After the right renal artery branches off the aorta, it courses underneath the, the IVC. Inferior mesenteric artery. It supplies the left half of the transverse colon, the descending uh, iliac, or descending colon, the iliac and the sigmoid colon, and part of the rectum. It arises from the distal aorta, approximately three to four centimeters above the bifurcation iliacs, and can act as a collateral connection. Major parietal branches of the abdominal aorta are the inferior phrenic artery, lumbar arteries, and the middle sacral artery. And the terminal branches of the aorta, as we know, are the right and left iliac arteries. They carry blood to the pelvis, abdominal wall, and the lower limbs.